You think you get stupid questions? You should hear the barrage of stupid questions I get. Hey everybody, uh, welcome to another episode of Stupid Questions with Jason Harvey. Uh, I'm Jason Harvey. Um, thank you for listening. First off, I, I want to give a huge shout out at the at the beginning of the podcast to uh, a friend of mine. Uh, Kean Clark showed up to his uh, barbecue uh, the other day uh, where we were going to have a stand-up show there also. And he cleaned out his garage and set up a cool place to have the comedy show. And uh, I loved it so much that I asked him if uh, we could have comedy and other opinions there this month because uh, Five Monkeys closed down, so I lost the venue there. And uh, he was nice enough to say yes. So uh, we're going to have a comedy and other opinions show this month, and it's going to be at Ken Clark's Garage, and I'm uh, so stoked on that. And uh, I'll pitch more about that show later on when we discuss pitching things. But... uh yeah, thank you so much for listening. Uh, today we have a very special guest on the on the show, Gavin. Very special guest. Very special. Hi. Hey, how oh, are you? Good. How are you? I'm excellent. Do people know who I am, uh, or is this just assumed? Uh, well, they'll hopefully they'll have read the name and been like, pff, pff, "I know that Gavin's un Gavin Sheehan from Gavin's Underground." Did I pronounce your last name correct? About as correct as anybody else will. Ever so, how about you say it? Gavin Sheehan. Sheehan. Yes. Okay. So, we have on the, today, I should have asked before, fuck, I'm a terrible host. You're about as good as I am, yeah. so don't worry about it. So, uh, <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, do you want to s- explain about, just in case people don't know who you are, which if they don't, get with it, guys. I mean, it's Gavin. I know, right? We know him, it's a first name basis. Good hell. Get why, with Why it. aren't you doing everything that I do? Um <laughs> Yeah, I write Gavin's Underground, the blog at cityweekly.net, where I cover local entertainment in various aspects. And I also work for Slug Magazine as the day job, where I'm their office coordinator and podcast producer of our own show, Slug Soundwaves. Woo! Awesome. So, two jobs in one, covering all of you. <laughs> entertainment. Covering it. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh one of the reasons, uh, besides you just being uh, a genuinely good guy and a fun person to be around, that I wanted you to be on the show is uh, Montage of Heck just came out last week. Yeah. Thank you so much for that, Bob. And uh, have you seen Have you seen it yet? No. No. Okay. Well, we I, won't discuss it, but we will. Uh, I've seen enough clips uh, through media outlets to yeah. where I have a pretty good idea of what I'm going to be watching. Yeah, well, and uh, you know the story well enough to know. I've, I've, let's say I've reviewed pretty much every Nirvana book that's come out in the past, like, eight years. Yeah. Uh, to the point where I don't need to read another Nirvana book ever again. No, I think they probably, that's it's probably a pretty good uh, yeah. I mean, covering of the subject. It's gotten to the point, and this isn't a real plug for the book, but I'll just say it. There's a book that just came out called I Found My Friends. Uh, where the author talks to about 150 different people that have known Nirvana at different points in time through their six-year career. And yeah, it's pretty cool to hear what members of Dinosaur Jr. thought about them in 1990. But at the same time, it's like... It's too Nirvana nerdy. Like, you and yeah. I might appreciate that, but like not too many... I don't think there's uh, too many people that are like, oh, I can't... I would love. What is Jay Maskus? Have exactly. to say about this. What is Ian from Anthrax think yeah, about Nirvana? Exactly. Oh man, yeah. That I think, and I don't know. Is there? I don't think there's really been another band where you get that much depth of coverage of where it's like, hey, let's talk to people who knew them. I would say, if you're getting right into it, I know there's a a couple Sex Pistols books that are out there. Where, Please shoot me was one of them. Yeah. Right? yeah. Um. I would say the Beatles have been explored in depth, uh, as weird as it sounds, because I don't think any of them are dead. I could be wrong. Jefferson Airplane has been explored way in depth just because of the outrageousness that is that band and <laughs> Starship and every other incarnation after. 
but when you get down to like a band of our time, I, there is no comparison. Like Nirvana has been examined, re-examined, dissected. Uh, Cons- <laughs> conspiracies. In, yeah. <laughs> the Kurt and Courtney documentary. Uh, <laughs> Which is, I hate that. It, I get, I, I don't know why. And I don't know your feelings on the whole conspiracy. I, thing, uh, but... It was an interesting watch at the time. I, in fact, uh, a good friend of mine, Artie Fufkin, who worked at uh, local radio station X96 yeah. here, Gave me a poster of that when it uh, came through Sundance. And I still own it. Yeah. They, just because it's this giant fucking poster of Kurt Cobain and his face just like right there. Yeah. You know, uh, but it's definitely one of those film festival moments in time. I would say Nirvana's probably one of the bands that's been featured at Sundance the most. Yeah, probably. Uh, well, especially, and then just this year with a montage of Heck. Yeah. But I mean, I. I watched the the trailer. I've seen the clips online, the the approved clips, and then I've seen the news clips that have been sent out to media outlets. Uh, it's pretty much what I expected, which was a very dark look at a very sad kid. Yeah, <laughs> very invasive too. Like some of the home video footage. In, oh yeah, in yeah. there, I was just I was shocked at seeing it. Just like whoa, no I've, one. Like no I one felt was supposed weird. to see this. Yeah, I felt weird as a teenager reading "Come as You Are." We discussed yeah. this a little bit off mic. Uh, the Michael Azarad book, which I think is the definitive Nirvana biography book, if you're going to read anything about them. Uh, stories about how he threw a bunch of guns in a river. His stepdad's guns. Yeah, right? yeah. Uh, reading about how he like came home from second grade with a paper that or, or with a drawing that got an A plus and then he ripped it up in front of everybody because he hated it. Uh, you know, you're looking at a childhood that's already kind of deranged and damaged. Now you have pictures to match that yeah. derangement. Very I'm not gonna say unsettling, but it does kind of put you off a little bit if you're a fan. Like yeah. it, it's got it's gonna be one of those movies where either you're you're a casual fan looking in and finding out what the dark is, or you're a hardcore fan and you're like, yeah, I already read about this. It's just creepier watching it. Yeah, now it's uh, it's real instead of it just being words that I, I put together in my head. And the home footage of him and Courtney has got to be the weirdest because it's shot by what's-his-name, who is in Hole, the guitarist. Yeah, well, and there, some of it's shot by Kurt. Yeah. Some of it, he's holding the camera and he'll turn it to him when he's talking and then back to, like, Francis and... Uh... And Courtney, but there's some there's some really rough, rough things where it's just like, oh yeah, him on heroin, yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> like blatantly, like oh yeah, that's that's not a casual heroin user. No. Like he's it's one thing to read about it too, and then watch it later in life. I mean, I read where uh, his ex girlfriend Tracy caught him doing it. Yeah, like, and it says there's a quote in there or something like. Kurt, there's a ball of bleach on the floor and a spoon bent backwards, and you got a lighter in the in the bathroom. What the hell else are you doing? Yeah, you know, it's it's very in the bathroom. <laughs> I was doing the dishes in the bathroom. I was having a smoke while cleaning. What's your problem? Yeah. Spoon got bent. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, just ah, there's no better way to put it. It's just kind of like uh, it it gives you a very clear perspective on what was going on. It's like uh, it, it it's like putting a face to a voice. Yeah. Like oh yeah. Like it's one well, thing. It's one thing to hear a song like "Serve the Servants." It's another thing now to see where that originated from. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't know. There's something. Yeah. It was just a. It was kind of a rough watch at, at times, but then, at times, it was uh, just the reality of it hitting in that it was just like, yeah, I never. I fantasized like that he wasn't as bad of a heroin addict as he actually was, like because it was somebody that I had looked up to. Is like, wow, man, he's like just a very passionate artist. Well, I'm sure, in comparison, I'm sure a lot of people would still like to believe that the Beatles didn't do as much LSD, yeah, or that, heroin, because they yeah, definitely shot yeah, up. That uh, that Jim Morrison was clean, and he was just a uh, a really. Uh, un- eccentric mis- person <laughs> misunderstood eccentric poet yeah you know uh eccentric shitty poet 
I'm sure people would love to believe that Ian from Joy Division was just a troubled young man. You know yeah. what I mean? There's, I think in a lot of art, there's so much darkness in it. I think that's what, I I, I think that's actually what it, uh, any great art, I, I not not every time, mm-hmm. but I would say a good majority of the time it comes from a place of darkness or some, because somebody had to get that out. Yeah. They Even hurt. R.E.M., who wrote Happy Shiny People, yeah. for fuck's sake. And everybody hurts. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like you can't, uh, we're getting into comics. It's yeah. like Batman. You can't have lightness without the dark. Yeah. You know, and that's uh, especially in that 90s grunge movement when you look at bands like, uh, uh, let's just keep it to sub pop instead of the entire genre, but when you look at Tad, Screaming Trees, Soundgarden, there's a lot of messed up shit happening behind the scenes oh, yeah. to create that kind of uh, sound and that kind of world. Not everybody was happy. <laughs> well, and uh, not uh, not a sub-pop artist, but uh, Alice in Chains. Oh, definitely. One of the most... <laughs> I think uh, Lane Staley... Tormented. Is, yeah, I just... Anytime I see pictures of him, I just go, oh, that's what shittiness feels like and looks like. That's That's the epitome of... Feeling like shit constantly. That unplugged show. Oh, yeah, just looking at him was awful. Yeah. Glasses on, head down. But that voice. It's great. Yeah. Go ahead and overdose in the closet (laughs) off of speedballs, man, because you sound great. We're not condoning doing drugs to become talented. Hey, Gavin. You're going to condone I'm going to condone drugs used to become talented. No. See, I only only condone alcohol abuse. See, and I don't condone alcohol abuse. I condone. We're going to be opposites here. Clearly, so. we're not going to be friends forever. <laughs> we walk different ways at parties. <laughs> <laughs> I'll die of a bad liver in four years, and you'll OD in seven. <laughs> if, I, if it takes seven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One wrong speedball, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't dabble with... With uh, hard shit anymore. I got past all of that. I, uh, <laughs> I've been scared enough. <laughs> the, oh, yeah. Is this it? Is this, is this how I go? <laughs> shit, talk yourself through it, Jason. You're good. You need to look in the mirror? There's mirrors in the bathroom. You need to walk? You can walk over there, dude. It's cool. Just, nope, keep breathing. That's the key. <laughs> Taking a deep breath. Yeah, there was a... I shouldn't... I shouldn't even say this. One night when I stopped breathing in one of my friend's cars and I was like too embarrassed by, because uh, he didn't know everything that I had done. He didn't know the the bathroom trip that I made before I started drinking on top of that. Was that a... Uh, it was prescription a, pills. Yeah, uh, okay. I was a... Uh, I got... Uh, used to used to do some Oxycontin. Oh. Not good. You know. Don't do it. That I will not condone. That... Stay away from prescription shit. Just your standard over-the-counter stuff that your doctor approved. Yeah. Nine times over. Yeah, but uh, I remember just being so embarrassed, like, that I stopped, like, because I was, the thought actually happened, like, whoa, I feel weird, and not, like, not high, but, like, it it was almost like, uh, like, when a dream sequence starts in, like, a movie or something like that, and the, like, cloudiness starts, or when somebody gets hit over the head in a movie, and it's, like, you're about to, like, get knocked out. That's what it started to feel like. And then I was like, I'm not breathing. And then I was like, oh. And then for the next <laughs> few hours, it was a conscious effort to breathe because it's like, oh, you aren't doing this on your own. So just keep pacing the apartment. And uh, yeah, so I I learned my lesson. Not then, but after a couple more times of that. I, uh, I learned mine watching other people. Like I, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to go into detail either. But I, I tried my fair share of materials. Yeah. Most of it really didn't do anything for me. Maybe it's just body chemistry or, or who I am, or maybe my fucking brain is cynical to drugs. But uh, very few things ever did anything for me. Uh, I did enjoy marijuana, though, when I could still smoke it and not choke like a 16-year-old child. See, and that's, I think, I I honestly think, like, that is the best. Marijuana yeah. <laughs> is by far the best. And uh, that comes back to, uh, we could talk about Nirvana on that, because uh, he at prefers us. it to any other. Same so. way. Uh, but yeah, like <clears throat> not many people know the song you're talking about no. or the incarnation of what it's about. They do not. But uh, see, uh, what 
what uh single was that a b-sides of was that a all apologies all apologies B-sides? it was uh it was with uh rape me and uh all apologies yeah i think i have a copy of the single that actually says rape. moist vagina on it really yeah uh, but i've seen copies where it's just called mv, MV. yeah, yeah. Seen on uh, the twentieth anniversary release, it's Moist Vagina, but it's I think it's the two thousand thirteen remix of it. Really? Yeah, the vocals sound a little bit cleaner. Makes They're me brought sp- up a bit higher. Like, um, you know how like in the original recordings of In Utero, his vocals were almost right on with the guitar track. Yeah, I was gonna say I have iTunes on my phone. Let's see if I loaded that version of it. Cause I when. You probably saw my Facebook page. Well, and that's like, the one that has that banter that I told you about where they talk about the gay porno yeah, 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 at yeah, the beginning yeah. of yeah. it. Uh, but a couple months ago, I went through and basically took every piece of Nirvana material that I possibly could and just uh, like threw it on into my, my iTunes and on my yeah. computer, and it came out to like 32 hours worth of music yeah. for every single thing that I own just cuz I'm a stupid collector that's, that's fascinated exactly. by the band. Yeah, that's Nirvana was the band that started that for me and since there's a few other bands that I've become obsessed with. Looks and, like I didn't load that. Oh well. But I got Marigold on here. Oh, I love that song. Marigold that's demo. Such a good song. Um Dave Grohl hates that song. Really? When the um, Did you ever see the Foo Fighters documentary from uh I think it was 2011 that went to South by? No, I didn't. They it's one of the most in-depth ones I've ever seen on them, and I think it's the one that you should look at. It's just after, not this past album, but uh, once Wasted Light was finished. Okay. And they were filming footage of them making the album and working with, uh, uh, what's his name, from Husker Du, and uh, Chris Novoselic came in and performed on a song and no stuff way, like that. No that's cool. Yeah. But they basically did a bio on the band, and in the first year that the band was playing around, they did a tour, which I was... I count myself privileged as having seen at uh, Club DV8 when it was still around here in Salt Lake. But they went on tour with Mike Watt, and uh, the, they didn't join them, but it was uh, Eddie Vedder's side project. Uh, uh, you, uh, fuck. Something about UFOs. Uh, but they every time they would play in front of an audience that knew who the fuck Dave Grohl was, you would hear a bunch of people in the audience be like, Play Marigold! Play Marigold! Because that's the only song that they knew. Oh, yeah. Um, And it had, like, you could tell it was just fucking frustrating. Like, no, that's done. I'm in this new thing now. I'm doing this. We're going to play these songs. And every time they went to, like, look like they were going to start playing it, he'd fuck the song up and they never played it once. That's funny. And I don't think he played it again until that unplugged... Skin and Bones or whatever it was. Yeah, until they... uh, did that live performance? Well, that's him even singing on the track, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, that's what I thought. It's weird how it's him in a stool with uh, Chris on bass, and I believe Kurt's Kurt. playing drums. Uh-huh. But uh, oh yeah, that's right because they uh, they have the footage of the the actual video footage of them yeah. playing that. But it's uh, it was done in like four or five takes, and that's the end of it. Like it was just put on Heart Shaped Box as a uh, bonus track. For the, for the single. Yeah, but that's the end of it. Like, you don't, like, he, I, I swear he just hates that song now because it's like, it's the one Nirvana song everyone knew that he played and yeah. wrote. Uh, you just hear request after request after that, a year after your friend dies. Yeah. And you're trying to do this brand new thing. After telling Tom Petty no, <laughs> which had to kill him because Tom Petty invited him to be his permanent drummer after they fired the guy that, was always an asshole to them. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, weird experience. Just, uh, well, but he's more. had so, oh man, Dave Grohl. He's aged fine. There. Oh man. I, I don't even, I'm not a, I, I appreciate the Foo Fighters for what they are is the, like the pop, mm-hmm. pop rock. Like they just put out pop rock hits. I mean, they are insane at that. So yeah. good. Just throwing hits out. I have a love hate relationship with That's, them. When I saw them live, I was blown away. I kept going, oh, yeah, this song? Oh, yeah, they did write this song. Oh, yeah. yeah. They come through yeah, Salt this. Lake once every two or three years. and They're great live. Every, I will say that. Every fucking time, I'm just like, yep. Yep, they're good. Thanks for the greatest hit. It's like I just saw They Might Be Giants come through town. How was that? Fucking fantastic. You would think, and uh, that's my other um, really geeky band that I could go on for hours about is They Might Be Giants because I grew up 
with them. With them yeah. yeah. But uh, you you would go in there and they're currently releasing like a new song every week. They're going back to their old dial-a-song format, which is an entirely different topic that we yeah. could <laughs> spend an hour on. But uh, you would think when a band comes through and they've got a brand new album that they released four weeks ago. They're uh, going to play songs from that. They would just be playing nothing but that. Uh, I went in there and it was a greatest hit show. That's awesome. Like there was a couple of couple of new tracks here and there. They did a <laughs> they did a cover of a Destiny's Child song, Bills Bills Bills. That's great. <laughs> which, which is great. You hear John Flansburg, the guitarist, he was just like, "I will be uh I'll be playing the role of Kelly Rowland, which is one <laughs> step up from being the girl who got fired." You know. <laughs> and uh but no, they and they played a double set. So they came out Played an hour, went backstage, had a twenty minute coffee break, came back out, played another hour and a half with two encores. Wow! Like fucking fantastic, and that's what I equate Foo Fighters to. Is like that's a band where no matter, doesn't matter if you pay twenty five dollars to see them or two hundred fifty dollars to see them, you're going to get your money's worth. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's I. Uh, how I even ended up going to the Foo Fighters concert yeah. was I was working with this girl. She came to work and was like. I don't know what to do with my Foo Fighters tickets anymore. I just broke up with my boyfriend. <laughs> I'll I was take like, them. Oh, I'll buy, I'll buy a ticket. I'll go with you. I'll just buy a ticket from you, and we can both just go. Because I would love. I was like, I wasn't gonna go, but if there's just a ticket up for grabs, yeah, I'll definitely go. And uh, Mariachi El Bronx opened, and wow, mm-hmm. wow, that yeah. band is on real good. Um, and then, uh, then uh, Cage the Elephant played. But then Dave Girl played drums for them because their drummer had just hurt his arm somehow. Yeah. And so he had listened to the album the day that he was going to play the drums for them. That's awesome. And then went and played drums. And then he came out and played a two and a half hour Foo Fighters set. And See, just, I, wow. I used to be a drummer. I've learned how to do that play by ear. Yeah. It's so, it's tricky, but once you get down to it, you can. You can do it any, yeah. I can do everything except maybe a little bit of Tool and Slayer. Just because it's so fucking That's fast and so fucking intricate. intricate. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, getting back to our <laughs> our topic, uh, but I, I've grown to have a love-hate relationship with the Foo Fighters because the most recent album, and this comes from years of being a fan and also being a music critic and reviewer, uh, I can now look at a Foo Fighters album and tell what's going to be the singles and what was thrown on there because fuck it, why not? We can just put this yeah. out. It's filler shit. Exactly. So... In the back of my mind, having seen it so many times, I can see the song that they're going to put on radio, and that's going to be their first big radio hit, and that will sell all the fucking initial copies. Yeah. You know? And then they'll bring a and then the lighter. So they have the rockin' version. They have the, the rock, rock version. Song. They have the rock song. Then there's the lighter song that's mm-hmm. on there that will bring all the women who didn't buy it the first time around to come buy it the second time around. Where it almost feels like a motivational message that yeah. you're getting, but it, it's exactly. done well. And then it's not Nickelback. And then your second rock hit, just because for every Foo Fighters album there has to be three uh, hits. Yeah, I can mm-hmm. I can go through every fucking album and name them. <laughs> but then I get to other tracks, and I could <laughs> I st- I have this on iTunes too, and cut the dead audio from this as I look this up because, um, so something from nothing is the big one off their new one, Sonic Highways. But then I get to a song like The Feast and the Famine or What Did I Do slash As My God is My Witness, uh, I Am a River, which is a seven-minute track. It's like you're going to play these songs maybe for a year and then you'll never fucking touch them again. I will never hear you play this live uh, five years from now. It's just a throwaway track that you wrote in your studio or or on the road, or as we've seen in the HBO documentary over a period of time yeah. uh, with some really awesome musicians. But I will never, like if I don't go see you on tour and you don't come through my town and play that one song that one time, I'll never see you play it live because it's too long of a song. It's too intricate. You're not going to make it a radio hit. Uh, it feels like filler. Yeah, and you're not, yeah, yeah. not going to play it on the next tour. And it has nothing to do with the next album. Yeah, and going back to that documentary on the Foo Fighters, Dave Grohl admits like they were fighting during uh, One by One, which is their fourth album. Yeah, 
uh, they recorded two different versions of it. One was in a major studio that cost them millions of dollars. The other one was in his basement, cost them maybe a couple hundred grand. The the one that cost a hundred grand is the one that you hear and listen to today. He's played two songs off that album since. Uh, All My Life and uh, uh, Times Like These. Yeah. And he's never played the rest because that album, he, I guess they just don't care for it or they don't like it. But he basically admitted, we got two singles out of that thing. They blew up really well. They did awesome. But I can't stand that album for various reasons, and I've never played a single one of those songs since. Yeah. And that's and it's very telling. Like, all the respect in the world to him, but if you're, as an artist, are admitting that you're creating filler just to get an album out. Chino admitted that on one of the Deftones albums, too. Yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah, I totally, oh, I'm glad you're saying this, because that's what I was thinking the whole time. School, I was like, what is this? School was a throwaway song. Yeah. Until and it, oh man, or so back good. to school or whatever the fuck that oh, was. Oh, back to school, yeah, yeah. And uh, they had no intention of releasing it until some radio station started playing it because they hated the one that was out. Yeah, and change. Yeah, and it immediately became a hit. Yeah, like we got to put that on White Pony. Like man. fuck. And then you go back and you look at the music video and you can tell it was shot with what was the version of an i i go pro cam yeah. at the time. Well, and uh. Now that we've got, now that we're on Deftones with this ADD trail that we just <laughs> <laughs> keep following, we can just talk, just uh, whatever. Yeah, terrible we'll just keep, 90s music all uh, this entire fucking hour. But like, I don't think the Deftones were terrible in the 90s, man. Because Adrenaline and uh, Around the Fur, I, I just <sighs> bought Around the Fur on vinyl. Still sounds really good. To I've me. owned one Deftones album, and I can't even remember what it was, because to me they felt disposable. It's like. Um, it's like Orgy. Everybody. Oh, thought, I saw those. <laughs> I saw those guys like three times. Everybody thought Orgy was going to be like the next thing. You know what? That first album was good. It is. I but own, it was definitely not. A, they weren't going to come back with anything. I own those first two records and fuck the rest because, yeah. you know, who cares? Did, uh, yeah, they, Jay Gordon just barely did something else. I think. He was over at the Royal uh, here in Salt Lake City. Really? Owned by Royal Bliss. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there was a cheap plug. Uh they they came through and played as orgy and uh you know you could tell it was a 40 year old guy playing 90s music but um <laughs> like when i heard that album you know blue monday came out stitches came out it sounded like oh you know as a teenager 17 18 you're thinking yeah that's future music saw them at the uh big ass show when they came through the first time they yeah. ever played salt lake in 2000 see well i saw them in 98 on the family values tour Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When, with, with Limp Bizkit Limp and Biscuit. Stained. And... No, Stained wasn't on that year. It oh. was uh, Orgy opened up, then Limp Bizkit played, then Ice Cube. <laughs> no, then Rammstein, then Ice Cube, and then Korn. And I think they they messed with the order there because they would have normally had uh, like Ice Cube, then Rammstein at that time because mm-hmm. Rammstein was so popular. But I don't think Korn wanted to play right after Rammstein because they lit everything on fire. So they, I think they were like, we'll have kind of a slower, like... See, Family Values and Ausfest to a degree, are the last of the big musical tours where not everything sounds the same. Like, you go yeah. to the Vans Warp Tour, every fucking band sounds like the last four bands that yep. played on that same stage. If you dissect Family Values for what you just yeah. mentioned, fucking Ice That's Cube playing with Rammstein... And corn. That's that's <laughs> yeah. that's a little bit of musical insanity to dissect right there. Yeah, it was a. I was seventeen at that show, and it was just it was a blast. Like it was a, it was really cool. Actually, no, I was sixteen. I was it was right before I turned. It was ninety eight. Nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, we're the same age. We're dating ourselves. Yeah, eighty two kids. I was uh, nineteen eighty one. Eighty one. Yep, yeah, I'm October first of nineteen eighty one. I'm April twenty ninth, eighty two. April 29th of yeah. 82. That's a good. Uh, we're, uh, yeah, about yeah. six months. We would have been the same. Different. We would have been in the same class. Yep. Class of 2000? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're millennials, the original millennials. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember them talking about I, I remember in sixth grade them coming into, uh, <laughs> into gonna, our class. Like, you're going to be a part of a brand new generation. Yeah. Oh, they were like, 
we could be the first class. We could be the first people ever to have nobody smoke cigarettes. Like, oh, is that the future? Not happening. Do you know oh. how addictive smoking cigarettes are? I've already smoked one. Like, I was eight when my grandpa <laughs> threw down a cigarette. Us my pro- uh, dad's dad tossed down a camel non-filter, walked inside. And I was like, oh, I'm gonna be so cool at eight years old. And I picked it up and I took like a little like drag off of that and was like oh that's the grossest thing oh man no 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 i will never smoke again and then in high school when it was just like oh yeah i'm rock and roll as fuck give me a cigarette yeah i'm really into this it's so good oh man my my head feels weird is that why we smoke this is for that buzz that's cool let's keep doing that maybe it's just my nature i grew up a rock kid but i was also uh D and D nerd, Magic the Gathering. Oh, I played yeah D and D and Magic uh, too, but I still was like, Ninten- "Fuck my lungs." Nintendo and PS kid. Like I had other things to do besides smoke. Oh man, maybe I- that's just me. Well, when you grow up in Morgan, Utah, a very boring town, and you can look at hills and smoke cigarettes. I I grew up for a period in time in Heber, so I understand. Ooh, yeah, you do. You get it. I understand the small town mentality. It's All like- right, Gavin, you've made better, wiser decisions than I have. You win this round of better, wiser decisions. Fuck yeah, I did. Thanks. What did I win? Uh, a healthier life. <laughs> I don't know. I got gut. I'm probably faster on the way to a heart attack than you are. I don't know. I'll I'll wash that down. I I eat pretty shitty. <laughs> You ate shitty before we got in here, ladies. Yeah, and we did. Uh, we went to In and Out of all places, um, and uh, Jason Jason's burger, by definition, was healthier than mine because all it had on it was ketchup. Ketchup. My, That's it. Mine had veggies, but of course, half my vegetables were fried on it. So <laughs> it's like I made him fry that ketchup. I was like, "Will you heat that shit up?" <laughs> Can you just hold this over the fryer before yeah. you pour it on so I can at least have the ability to feel like I'm eating a chicken nugget in, <laughs> wrapped in ketchup? Yeah, I just want to... Uh, could you guys just deep fry that burger after it's done? I just want to feel like extra shit today. Uh, in and outs like one of those places, though, that I can eat like uh, every once in a while. It sounds so awesome. And then you go there and you eat it and you're like, oh, yeah, that was that is awesome. Thank you, in and out And then... I've be- I've had that craving like the next day where I'm like oh shit I'm gonna eat in and out again <laughs> yeah. that was so good yesterday and like immediately you bite into it and you're like oh the memory was better yeah. the memory was <laughs> so much better than this I've gotten to be uh, I guess this comes with the territory of eating more fast food than cooked food but I've been able to kind of dissect locally what everything else tastes like uh, the idea of like everything we just ate at In and Out was probably two bucks cheaper at Arctic Circle, and it was the it's the exact same Pretty look, the equivalent, yeah. It's the exact same look, feel, <laughs> and taste of In and Out, just at a place that people don't think of as much. You know what I mean? Well, thank you for telling me we could have got it cheaper somewhere else after I bought you lunch. You're welcome. Uh, okay, I'm, I already forgive you. I'm a, very Christ-like. <laughs> Well, for dinner, we could go to Arctic Circle. You could have a different memory. <laughs> I do like Arctic Circle. But, you know, and it's made me appreciate local stuff more like Crown Burger. Oh, Crown Burger is great. Like, And I have, I'm very happy in the idea that I live in downtown Salt Lake because the one nearby me, the chefs like me and know who I am. So if they see me come in and they see me my order, they'll, like, throw on a little extra of everything. That's so, awesome. So instead of two strips of bacon, I walk out with five. and Ooh, uh, Not even just doubling up, man, no. 150%. Yeah. That's good. A couple extra you know, pieces of cheese on there, a little <laughs> extra tomato. There you go. All there you sudden, are. All of a sudden, you got this burger that's we twice like the size you. than it should be. Yeah. You have to take a that's knife how, and uh, fork to this. The Popeye's chicken is by, uh, I work down in, in Lehigh, mm-hmm. and every time I go, if I walk in and I order the three-piece chicken strip meal mm. they're always like well sir did you know that for a dollar more you could get two more chicken strips and i'm like dude i weigh 135 pounds i don't need those extra chicken strips if i'm getting a biscuit and a side so no thank you i'll just stick with the three <laughs> well every time i leave with my order there's six 
There's six of them in there. So I don't know who is doing it. But, somebody but somebody's hooking it. me up. Yeah, yeah, and I like it a lot. <laughs> they're like, you, got, you don't have enough meat on you. You're just skinning yeah, bones. Yeah, they're like, oh, you know what? Did he say 135 pounds? Let's, let's not dry fry this. Let's Fre- just- <laughs> Fred, I need you to do me a favor. This kid, he Hook looks like up. a heroin addict. <laughs> He's probably dying. He's only 135 pounds. Can you believe that? Throw in a couple extra. Give let's- him an extra biscuit. I mean, it's better than feeding a homeless person. Come on. Look at him. Look right. at his sad eyes. Yeah. You don't see eyes that sad very often come you into can, Popeyes. You can tell he's a stand-up comedian. Yeah. You can, <laughs> you can just feel the sad aura around him. Let's give him some extra chicken and get him on his way. He's, pro- he's probably going back to a shitty apartment to stare at a wall and think, God, what about my life is so depressing that I could, make, I could bring joy to others' yeah. lives? Give the kid two extra pieces of chicken. He's going to go home to that apartment that's worse than where we raise these fucking chickens to be slaughtered. <laughs> Isn't that funny now? Like, <laughs> I, know you're, I know you're completely into stand-up comedy, and I'm fascinated with it. It's, it's funny watching how many of the people we look up to these days just using pain. To, like, to yeah. like weave, and make, it, weave a web of laughter for other people where yeah. it's just like, well, at least it did that. It sucked. It sucked for me, guys. It goes all the way back to Carlin and Pryor, too. Yeah. Like, oh, man, C- Pryor, I think, was the, set himself the absolute on fire. best. I think Pryor was the absolute best at turning shit into gold. Because even when uh, there's a, I can't even remember, I think it's when he was like live in 1979 or something. There's mm-hmm. a, a concert that he did. And it's right at the first, he talks about how he like lost his mind because he, would, I mean, he had just definitely been cracked out. But, was it, was uh, it, it was him when, in the Earth, Wind, and Fire suit, or was it him uh, with his red shirt that's opened? And Oh, shit. You know, it's I've watched, yeah, I've watched both of them, and now I can't remember which one it is. It'll so, come to you. Uh, but it's, um, I want to say it's the Earth, Wind, and Fire one. Just after he set himself on fire? No, no, it, I think it's before it's that. Before, it's before okay. that. It's where he talks about shooting the, the tires. Uh, oh, out. shooting the car, because... <laughs> yeah, that's one of... The engine the, fell out and went... Yeah, exactly. Like, it's one of the most, like, holy shit. He's talking about what a fucked up person he is. Openly and uh-uh. super honestly, but the way that he's doing it is so funny and entertaining. But holy shit. Because I actually, like, two years ago, uh, my ex-girlfriend got me a Richard Pryor uh, biography called Furious Cool. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. It's so good. And uh, But it talked about that incident... And then going back after I had read up on how terrible that really was and how like scary of a situation that really was for his wife at the time. Um, and then seeing him do that, it was unreal because getting the reality of the situation and how scary it was and how like unkind of a person he was in private at that time because of how he was such a huge star yet cracked out, yeah, like cracked out. And, uh, to see him take something that awful and make it as funny as it was is it's just to me is just like wow man like he is easily top 3 easily top 3 of all time if not number 1 you know like yeah and the best part I about think Carlin and here have to be interchangeable at that number 1 spot the best part of that story is that his eventual wife to be was at that same party <laughs> and thought to herself that's a crazy motherfucker. Yeah, I want to. I want to get to know him better. Yeah. <laughs> so crazy attracts crazy. Yeah, it does. Which is usually why I don't date. <laughs> I've given up dating just because I'm I'm tired of uh, the bullshit. Somebody try. I've never done online dating in any I way, won't shape, do or form, that, dude. I just feel like it's an yeah. easily misleading situation. Just but, a, the easiest way for you to be misled about anything. Yeah, but a few months ago, I I helped a friend. She just broke up with her boyfriend. I won't mention any names because small lake city. <clears throat> but the uh, <laughs> she had broken up with her boyfriend, and immediately she thought, you know what, Tinder's a good idea. So I'm like, being the um, pyromaniac I am from the background. I was just like, fuck yeah, you should go on Tinder. Let's set up your profile. Let's yeah. let's see what studs are on there. And just kind of went through and started doing the swipe back and forth. I'm like, fuck, there are a lot of douchebags in this city. Oh, yeah. I think it's and if just that's anywhere. The, and I think if that's it doesn't the male, matter. Yeah. If that's the male pool, I can only imagine what the women pool was like. 
You know what I mean? Just like who in the right mind, first off, thinks, you know what, this app would be a great way for me to get to find somebody or at least get laid. And then second, to set up a profile <laughs> with their face and the idea of, no, you know what I'm here for. You know, <laughs> just just do me the favor and swipe in my direction so that you and I can just, Hook you know, and- yeah, satisfy each other's needs. Never mind the idea of getting to know each other. Never mind the idea of at least having some kind of compatibility over a single thought like, you know, Fuck that dude. That dude's a douche. You know. Uh let's just let's just sell it for what it is without uh the major website getting in the way and fuck. <laughs> That's all Tinder is designed to do. But I I you know, I've completely given up on that. Well, I just yeah, I for some reason online dating just has never appealed to me. I don't like I don't want to meet I I'm already weird enough socially, so it'd be weirder to me like if I like, hey, I've been chatting with you online. And that's our relationship, and then we like now. Now our relationships that I know you in person. Yeah, like to me that's that's fucking weird. I don't know why, but I'm fucked up in that way where it's just like I can't do that. Like because I know you online, and now I don't want to know you in my real life. I there I I really don't. I'm really kind of a private person where I don't like I don't like inviting people. People don't know the real you. No, well, it, kind of they do in a like. There's certain people that do because they I've let them in. Like I mean, my yeah, yeah, roommate yeah. Natasha Mauer definitely know, yeah. knows who I am. And there's people that that I've allowed in. But I mean, even as I get older, it's harder and harder for me to be like, ah, oh, these people are my friends. I'm gonna make I'm gonna meet new friends because I'm like, fuck, I don't have time to hang out with my friends. <laughs> like the people that know what a piece of shit I am, and they've accepted that, and they still want to spend time with me. No, I, I'm that same way. I have uh, I have four. In my entire life, that have known me for longer than I've been Gavin of Gavin's Underground yeah. or, or any other media entity I've ever been a part of. Uh, I think I'm right there. A couple of them go back to high school. But it's the idea of many, many more people know me as, uh, you know, Gavin's Gavin. Underground, and very few people know me as, as Gavin, you yeah. know. Uh, and I think I'm much more comfortable in that sense. Because it, it makes things easier to just be all like, yeah, here I am. I'm I'm this guy. Here's all my wacky in, in, uh, yeah. eccentricities. Uh, take me for what I'm worth or go fuck yourself kind of thing. And then the people that really get to know me over time get to find out like what kind of a person I truly am. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I think uh, that's the whole thing is I think uh, it, on, on like the top layer, I'm a very like friendly, happy person. When you get to know me, and then that's when you get to see, like, oh, hey, this is the shit in my life that I don't really let out. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't, uh, I mean, doing comedy, of course, I've talked about, like, suicide and depression and stuff like that. But there's very few people that I think have ever actually gotten to know, like, oh, oh, well, holy shit. Yeah. Like, you really do deal with that. And uh, I've had to watch what I say on Facebook. Like, you'll, I'll once in a while, because I... I'm not a person that just friends everybody. Yeah. There's um I have maybe 500 people on Facebook and there's like another 3000 in waiting that I just don't know who the fuck yeah. they are or they're people I I I'm not entirely sure I want them seeing what I write. And even with the 500 I have, it's not like I can sit down and have a discussion about depression. Yeah. You know, I can't make some overall blurring statement on how I feel about gay rights in Utah. I can't talk about uh, the idea of being being in a deep, dark place. Yeah. You know? Because, yes, we all experience we, Well, that's it. the thing. And I, and I, but I think people are much more comfortable with me thinking of me as Gavin, the guy that works for all this stuff and yeah, has much more the fun. the outgoing guy that does everything. Yeah, as opposed to Gavin, the guy that's just like me and probably deals with the same shit I do and probably has the same breakdowns I do and, and yeah. depressional periods as I do. Anxiety. Oh, he deals with anxiety. Yeah, I think they're, I think people are much more comfortable thinking of me as just this, <laughs> like a fucking hot air balloon at a Macy's Day parade. I'm just, just all, I'm up there. Look at me, I'm awesome yeah. kind of thing. There, th- that's him. It's Gavin. Here he comes down the street. Look at him. Look at all the joy that he's yeah. bringing to all the people. But for you, like, uh, 
it, there's a part of me that's envious because you can take all the deep dark shit in your life and you can talk about it and turn it around into a joke and you can make a living off of it. Sometimes there's because so, like uh uh like at Sandy Station recently, like I've anytime I've tried to do any darker stuff, like anytime mm-hmm. it does, like I have not been able to pull off any darker jokes there. I've like, seen, people instantly are like, ooh, I've seen your dark jokes at at Five Monkeys. Yeah, and I saw your set at um. Keys on Main, and every time a dark joke came up, I was giggling. Yeah, I, but I could tell there was a portion of the audience that was just uncomfortable. Like, I think I, I alienate a lot here. of people. <laughs> well, it, and at those times too, I looked like I was Charles Manson, so they were like, "Oh, he might murder one of us tonight." <laughs> but he might been, take one hostage. But I mean, um, comedians you and I both know and love, Nick Don Smith, yeah. Uh, Christopher Stevenson. Yes. Uh, even Natasha and... Um, Levi Rounds. Levi Rounds, definitely. Cody... Is Cody still doing? Cody left. I don't... Bummer. Damn Huge it. bummer. Yeah. I loved that guy. Uh, Melissa Merlot. Yes. I mean, every a lot of the people that you and I know touch on really dark subjects, and uh, there's always a portion of the audience that finds it funny, and then there's always a portion that goes... Okay, not um, for me. You should uh, finish that drink so we can leave. Like finish up right now. He's Gail, sh- sh- oh, fucking finish man. your drink. Were you there? Were you at the comedy and other opinions um, where uh, the show was uh, Eileen Dobbins, Alex Valuto, Abby Harrison, and Greg Kite? Were you at that show? I think I was. Okay, that was at that show. Was that the one where Natasha was sitting off to the side being a comedy critic and live No, reading? no, that was okay. That was a year ago. This one <laughs> this one just recently oh, happened. Oh, oh no. Sorry. And uh so <laughs> there uh Abby brought out some friends from work. So they were co-workers. I think they were LDS. So I think they were like super Mormon. And Greg Kite got up on stage and he started talking about like how he wished he could believe in God like them and was singling them out and talking directly to them. And I think, I mean, it was already a really small crowd, so I think the, his end game was like, I'm going to see how long they'll suffer this. Because we all feel like shit. We all feel like oh. shit, so let's just see how long they will sit through this. And I am not kidding you. Like, he did a 20, 25-minute set, and they left maybe five minutes before his oh. set was over. They sat through it, and it was brutal for them and I've, hilarious for everybody else. I've... Uh, back when it was still in existence, when they uh, before they shut down the downtown wise guys, one of my favorite activities because I used to go in and stand in the back. Uh, I'd worked out deals with Keith and a couple other people, just like, "Hey, I'm here looking for new people to write about. Can I just sit in the back and watch some of the local talent come up, and I'll get out of here before the headliner?" And you know, I'm just standing there next to uh, the guy that's checking IDs at the top. But uh, my favorite activity used to be just sitting there and watching uncomfortable people get up during LDS jokes, uh, during uh, abortion jokes. Oh, yeah. You know, just just like that idea of, we came to have fun. Oh, no, not this kind of fun. Oh, get this fun. is not fun. Grab your fucking coat. Grab your coat. Go. You know, yeah. Just the idea of how quickly can we get out of here and get downstairs and at least get half our ticket price back from the yeah. door you know i remember i remember even there was one night uh, at the old wise guys downtown uh, at the trolley square location yeah there was an old comedian he doesn't do comedy anymore um james popejoy was his name and mm. he had a joke where he's like man i i didn't know i was adopted i wish my two dads would have told me and that was it you know simple setup punchline <laughs> i'm my dads Pow. are gay yeah. and uh I watched him walk people with that joke and just thought, what? That? Oh, I'm glad you left because I'm coming up in three comics and you would have definitely, definitely <laughs> left when I start talking about whatever else I had, like what I had on my brain that day. Eileen has a great opening joke that does that to people that makes me chuckle every time. Which one's but, that? Uh, the, um, she's like, hi, I'm Eileen. I know I get that joke all the time. What do you call a girl? Oh, with, yeah, it's so What good. do you call the- a girl with one leg? Crippled. Well, you know? Yeah. Yeah. What do you <laughs> call someone? Yeah. Eileen. Yeah. My name's Eileen. And I know. Yeah. I know that joke. And what do you she, call someone with. Uh, and there's always like somebody in the audience and that she's goes. Like, an amputee. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. Somebody always goes. Oh. Yeah. It's great. I love that. That's the first joke I ever heard her tell like back in September, I think. 
I think uh, October. But I, I like people here who take that risk of of, of challenging challenging the audience to the ideas that they've set forth before they come in here. Because anybody that walks into a into a comedy club that's not all ages, that, yeah, uh, with the idea of I'm here to have a family fun entertainment night. You, you don't know what the fuck went to the wrong place. Yeah, why are you going here? When have you ever had fun with your family at a bar? Yeah. Life I've never. Is- there would never be any occasion that I'd be like, hey, fam, let's get together and go to the bar. I Bing, bam. I blame Seinfeld. I think <laughs> I think he set the impression up in everybody's mind that no matter what comedy club you go to, there's always some guy standing in front of a brick wall with a chair and a microphone. Great thoughts. Doing, doing fantastic thoughts yeah. on life. And it's all TV rated. Yeah. Uh, well, that's... I have a joke... Uh, have you heard my orphan funeral joke where I talk about how I like the word, those words put together? Oh. It's so funny to me. I don't know why. I think so, yeah. Okay, yeah, that has that same reaction where it alienates half the audience. So I had to write it specifically so that I could have parts that were written funny for everyone who hated what I was talking about. And so that, yeah, it's it's weird, but that's what I, I've had to change my writing style to... Uh, be a little less honest with the sadness of it while still keeping the sadness there, but I'm, I have to disconnect myself from it. Yeah. So almost like a voyeuristic view of somebody <laughs> else's sadness, well, but it's me, which makes it worse when I can reconnect off stage and I'm like, oh, that was me I was just talking about. One of, the, uh, one of my all-time funny moments, and I'm not sure if he even remembers it, Christopher Stevenson, uh, 2009, he was voted best comedian in in a publication that doesn't exist anymore in Utah this week, and they threw a party for people that were featured in the magazine. I was one of them at the time, and uh, he was invited to come to the old club Vegas and do a set, and the room was pretty much packed. Then he gets on stage, (laughs) and he starts, like, I can see it in his eyes. Like, he's not up there to have fun. He's up there to piss people off. I don't know what the reasoning was, and I've never found out why. But you can, I've seen his set enough times to where I can tell where he's having fun and having fun or being a pissant. And this was definitely him being a pissant. And his, he went on and on about being a food server and what he does to your food (laughs) when you're not looking. And why you are terrible fucking people every time you go into a restaurant, like wiping his ass with the lettuce that you have on your burger, blowing snot into your soup and calling it and calling it spicing, you know? <laughs> and by the end of it, uh, about three quarters of the crowd had left. Like they just decided, oh, we're, oh this isn't for me. We're calling it a fucking night. And then, <laughs> and then uh, up comes uh, the band Top Dead Celebrity who were voted the best band that year. And they're like, thanks, Del Shanzi, for sending half the crowd home. You know, like, and I hear him off into the background, because we hadn't become friends yet, but I heard him off in the background going, they don't fucking get it. They don't fucking get it. Yeah. Is that what he said? Yeah. And it just made me, it, it made me laugh so fucking hard at the idea of, like, he knew what he was doing. He basically came in to challenge the audience and be a comedic assassin. There, his set was funny. Yeah, but they didn't find anything he did funny. Yeah, and it, it, to me, it was fantastic to watch. I've seen him do. Yeah, like I've seen him have. He's this, toned down. He has since having a kid. He's toned down. Well, uh, well, even even just, I think since his kids gotten older, I think he has too. Because uh, even a few years ago, I was recording a show at the complex, and. Uh, we were videotaping it. Manuel was there. We had a bunch of nice. We had a bunch of cameras set up. I was mic'd. Everybody was mic'd. We were gonna film it. It was gonna be awesome. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we had a drunk girl who I will not mention her name because she's very good friends with me. Probably listening. Super drunk. Uh, talk about like she just heckled the whole like. Oh my god! Like oh, <laughs> stepping over every fucking punchline I had. Every time I was about to deliver, I she let me get through the setup. Every time setup was fine. I'd get to right where I'm about to say the punchline, and it was never like 
fuck you, you're not funny, Blah, I'm drunk. It was, I love you, Jason Harvey. Like right over my fucking punchline. And I was like, God damn it, like every fucking time. But like, so Christopher went up before me. And uh, I, I don't often say this word because I've toned down. Uh, Considerably. Well, I've toned down. I don't like name calling anymore because I used to have a not good relationship with my ex-wife. Oh. And name calling was a good portion of why I didn't have are, a. Are we about to get into so, some deep shit? <laughs> well, no, because I this was years ago. My ex-wife's amazing. Like she and I have an awesome relationship now. Like, uh, but uh, like probably better than we ever ever have. Mm-hmm. And uh, but uh, oh man. So Christopher goes up. He's on stage, and this girl just keeps woo drunk, just pre-gamed so fucking much. Like holy shit! Mm. If those were, if that was drugs instead of alcohol, you would have overdosed, like for sure. She like, put you half be here. She put half the bottle of High West in her yeah, belly before was, she showed up. Yeah, she was. She snuck, she snuck she alcohol into was the club. Shit faced. And uh, Christopher, one of the best things ever is just like, hey, you need to stop right now. You need to just just be quiet, okay? Because I will call you a cunt. I'm not. I'm not calling you a cunt right now, okay? So don't get mad. I'm not calling you a cunt. I'm letting you know I will call you one. This is me firing the gun off into the air like, I will call you a cunt if you don't shut up. And so he said cunt so much to her without without actually calling her. Without doing the Louis C.K. Without being like, I'm calling you a cunt. He was just like, I'll do it. Just threatening. Just holding it over there. I will do it. And it was one of the funniest yet like, oh, shit. This is weird (laughs) moments that I've ever seen him do. But it was it was great, and then he ended up buying her a drink, <laughs> and uh, it the bartender was like, "I'm not gonna give her more alcohol. Are you looking at her? Look, dude, I can't. As a, uh, I can't. Like, I just can't. I should not do this. The and world Christopher does not went, look even to her. Yeah, it, it, Christopher went. Look, dude, I'm not doing this." To, to like be like nice and be like, oh, I'm making pieces. Like, I want you to put as much alcohol in there as possible. I want her to remember how shitty this was the next day. And that was his game, dude. So uh, he didn't call her a cunt, but he bought her <laughs> way too much alcohol. Oh, man. She got carried out that night. <laughs> Vertically so, or horizontally? <laughs> you know what? I still have not watched that footage because it was so bad. I think you need to I know. You know what? I think I should now. You know what? I should release it now. Yeah. I should just say, fuck it. I'm releasing this. Pay what you want for it. It's the shittiest thing you will ever see of me. <laughs> Am I the first person you've used the word cunt on for this show? I think, yeah. I think this is the first time I've actually ever dropped fuck yeah. cunt. Record yeah. breaker. I, don't, I, I try to not say that word. Trendsetter. Um, there was one time, I will say this. Maybe we'll, uh, we'll end on this. There was one time. This is also another reason why I try to not say it is because I, don't, I don't just call, like, it's not uh, women or cunts. Mm. Or anything like that. Dudes can be cunts. It's whatever. It's, if you're a cunt, you're a cunt. I love calling and men cunts because they have no response. It, it's it's a it's like <laughs> that's the only response. Whoa, you just get flustered. There's no male. Whoa. There's no male equivalent. No, there is, and there's no comeback. Like, what do you do? You do this. I hope he's not right. That's it. <laughs> the, be- the, be- the best I've ever heard somebody try is, "Well, that's clever." Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's it. They turn into your mom. Yeah. <laughs> You're proud of that one? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's good. Ooh. Oh, you know a bad word. Look at Gavin with his bad <laughs> words that he can say at people to hurt their feelings. Oh, I can say much worse. I can do yeah. word combinations <laughs> yeah, like you exactly. wouldn't believe. Life that's of a what, writer. I've told uh, I've told people that I'm like, you know what? There's things that you could that I could probably get away with on TV and radio that are like, well, those are you could say that. But holy shit, it's way worse than being like, fuck off or saying like any just bad word. Yeah. But uh, one reason why I'm like, I got to get, I got to get the C word out of my vocabulary is now I, I have, I have a, he turns nine this week. I have a nine year old son and uh, he sits directly behind me in my car mm-hmm. and I only have him half the time. So sometimes I don't think about him. Actually sitting right behind me, and you can't see him in the rearview mirror because he's off too far, and you'll just be dri- – I'm, I'm just driving, and I'll lose it. 
road rage is the only rage that I really experience. I'm a pretty calm person, but in the car, I'm just like, you fucking inconsiderate prick, I'll fucking kill you. <laughs> I actually one time did when I had my son in the car when he was younger, dragged my finger across my neck like this to somebody, like I was slitting their throat because they were like riding my ass. So I looked up in the rearview mirror and I was like, I'll fucking kill you is what I mouthed. So I didn't say it aloud. Because my son was learning words at that time, but I mouthed it so that they could, they definitely knew fucking kill you was said. And I did that and they just sped up and <laughs> shot by me. And I was like, oh, I probably shouldn't do that. But uh, <laughs> one day when merging from I 15 or I 215 onto I 15, this car would not let me over. And then I like, I had to get over. There was another car like merging over on me and I just lost it. I was just like, hurry up, you fucking cunt. <laughs> and then I knew that yeah, right as soon hit. as I said cunt, I was like, no, it's in the car. And I was like, you immediately forget that word. And that's the only response that I had was like, don't you remember that ever? <laughs> well, then uh, like a couple hours later, he comes up to me and he goes, what was that C word that I was supposed to forget? And I was like, oh, you, you don't remember? He's like, no, I can't, I can't remember what it was, and I should probably forget it. I was like, yeah, that's awesome, dude. I'm, not, I'm definitely not telling you the word that you're supposed to forget. But he'll remember it in like oh, 10 one, years. Yeah, one day he's going to hear it, and he'll be like, hey, my dad it. said that. My dad said that. Now I know what context to use it yeah, in. Yeah, exactly. You call people that. Anybody. See, so, I'll see in 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 fits of rage, I will marry swear words together <laughs> in a tangent, and I'll probably do a poor job of it now. But just like fucking horse shit on a cock's tit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, just whatever, like, just a Tourette scream. Yeah, like none of it's supposed to go together. None of it's supposed to make sense. Yeah, but you say enough of it that you make yourself chuckle. Yeah, and also get the point across and to whoever's well. listening that. Uh, Oh, that know. guy curses. Yeah. Oh, that guy sails on ships. <laughs> I've been on a yacht or two. Yeah. <laughs> a yacht or two as you tie your sweater, <laughs> the sleeves of your sweater tighter around your neck. Look, Polo built those shirts for some reason, and I can only imagine it was to keep my shoulders warm <laughs> while making it look like I have a cape. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Hey, Gavin, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks. Um, Did we answer any of the questions that were in your book? Uh, well, there weren't. You know what? Honestly, I didn't write down any... Uh, any questions that were in my book? This was just going to be a bullshit ADD trail of uh, of lies. Dude, I, I'll be honest with you. If you want, we can do part two. I know you got a time yeah. schedule, but if you ever want to do this again and just bullshit. Again. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, do you have anything that you'd like to pitch? Uh, read my blog, Gavin's Underground, at cityweekly.net backslash underground, or just look up Gavin's Underground. I'm sure it'll pop up in Google at some point. Uh, look for Slug Magazine's podcast, Slug Soundwaves. It's in iTunes and Stitcher and a couple other places. I'm sure the internet has squirted it away. But, uh, yeah, just read and listen to everything I do and uh, support things that I do because, hey, it's not just about me. My name's on everything, but it's not just about me. I promote local entertainment. And if you're in or around Utah, there's a lot of shit that you guys have no clue is here and is fucking awesome and hell if if i had if we had That's another true. hour yeah. we could we could talk more local stand-up we could talk about how big this music scene the has music become amazing we could discuss the arts, fest. yeah the art scene and how insane it's starting to become because now people are getting back into experimenting yeah uh just thank you drugs just a myriad of entertainment in your back fucking yard that you don't know about. Yeah. So definitely uh, follow follow Gavin. Uh, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, a terrible way to spell Gavin's Underground because it was too many characters. At? G-A-V-I-N-S-U-N-D-R-G-R-N-D. Perfect. Follow, uh, follow Gavin on Twitter. Um, definitely check out his blog. He's written quite a few uh, um, blogs about just... Uh, done a lot of interviews on local stand-up comedians, at great least, bands. At least once a month I try and get a local stand-up comedian in there. I believe the last one was Eileen Dobbins? Uh, Eileen or was two months, two months ago. ago. I, Alex, was it Alex Valuto? Yeah. Ale that's right, right before his uh, his show. Which uh, now, that's a perfect transition because uh, Alex Valuto will be on a show I'm hosting uh, 
Monday, May 18th. So this upcoming Monday, right after this podcast comes out, um, May 18th at Moe's American Diner, 7.30 um, p.m., you'll be able to see uh, Chris Thayer coming in from L.A., originally from uh, San Francisco. Um, awesome comedian. Really, really funny. Um, really, really on the rise out there uh, in L.A. and uh, California. But uh, he's been featured on the uh, – why am I – I just went uh, – Pete Holmes show. Mm. He was a uh, he was featured on the Pete Holmes show, Rest and then in he peace, also Pete Holmes show. Yeah, exactly, and then he was a writer on the Pete Holmes show. He's been on Pete Holmes podcast. He's coming out with another funny person from L.A. Uh, Anna, I know I'm going to butcher her last name, Sarah Gina. This, that's my guess at it. Uh, but she's been featured on. Uh, she's the co-host of uh, the Dave Ross uh, podcast um, out there in L.A. Also a really really funny comedian. Has been featured on a lot of stuff. Um, so Alex will be opening up on that show. Natasha Maurer, who is a, one of the best comedians here locally, will mm-hmm. be on that show also. Um, I get to host it. It's only $5, guys, so please come out and support the show because it's not too often that you get to see somebody who's uh, really moving up throughout the ranks uh, in L.A. as far as comedy goes. And uh, you get to see them here in your locally as cheap as 5 bucks. So come out and support that show. Um, also a huge, once again, I want to give a huge thanks to Kean Clark for letting me, uh, use his garage for comedy and other opinions this month. It's going to be a really cool show. Um, should have a sad queen appearance on that show, <laughs> which is, sad queen. yeah, that's uh, Natasha and I's, uh, live sketch group where we pretty much just interrupt each other. <laughs> like it's audience interruptions and just, uh, weird stuff like that. But, uh, so there should be a sad queen interruption on that show, but the comedian's we've got on the show so far that have uh, got back to me are great too because we've got Kean Clark's going to be on the show, Amara Ames, Crystal Star uh, Nielsen will be on the show, and Andy Gold. Nice. Uh, he'll be on the show also. Um, so definitely uh, check out both of those shows. Check out Gavin's Underground um, and then listen to Slug Soundwaves. Thanks so much, guys, for tuning in to this episode of uh, Stupid Questions. Gavin, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you. Um, guys, have a good one. Bye.